Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Here we are, February 16th, and we're basically getting into the routine of this offseason. I mean, at this point, the Jets haven't played football in over a month. It's almost coming up on two weeks since there's been any NFL football played. The Super Bowl has ended, and now we're sitting here like, what do we do now? What do we think about now? There's a lot of content creativity leeway here. What we're going to do over the next few weeks, I've got kind of a schedule baseline for this podcast. What we're going to do is free agency officially begins March 16th, which is exactly a month from now. The tampering period will begin on March 14th, so that's when a lot of the deals are going to be done, the 14th and 15th. By the time free agency begins, a lot of them will already be completed. But that gives us this podcast episode. We can do a defensive free agency preview for the Jets. And then next week, on the 2nd of February, we can do an offensive free agency preview. And that's going to bring us to two weeks after that, the start of free agency, which will be, in that case, recapping a lot that's already happened. And from there... We'll recap free agency, we'll prep for the draft, we'll review the draft, and that brings us to, like, May. So there's going to be no issues filling podcast episodes on This Is The Jet Life, doing bi-weekly episodes for the next month or two. But today, that brings us to the defensive side of the ball, where Joe Douglas has a lot of big decisions to make. And we got a good podcast episode in here for you. Today, it's going to be talking some news and rumors around the Jets. We're going to do a father time, as always. Got a very interesting what's on tap. We're going to just kind of recap the team, the finances, the philosophy, and all that, and then look at internal guys and guys that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas may go after on the defensive side of the ball as it pertains to the areas of need for the Jets, the amount of money that we've got, and all that good stuff. So, lots to get to. Going to try to kind of keep it uh, keep it brief in this one. It's all speculation. Don't want to spend too much time beating a dead horse. It's never even going to come to fruition. So, we're going to try to cover as much as we can you know, the targets that I'm looking at, my goals, but I think the team direction potentially could be. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Before I begin, I need to remind you, as always, to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It is under the Gang Green Nation podcast series title. This is The Jet Life, found anywhere podcasts are. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And, yeah, let's get to it. First thing to do is talk a little news and rumors around the Jets. One of the big things going on in this particular 2021 offseason is the quarterback carousel that seems to be circulating around basically every single team besides like 10. Anybody with a question mark at quarterback on their team is involved in some sort of rumors in some capacity. We already had the Matt Stafford for Jared Goff trade, so that went down. We've got Deshaun Watson asking for a trade. We've potentially got Russell Wilson asking for a trade. We've got Carson Wentz looking like he may be moved, and then we've got a ton of other moving pieces potentially Guys like Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold. I mean, the list goes on. It is never ending, and uh, that's where a lot of the rumors are coming from. I think that if you're a Jets fan right now, there's only a few names that really intrigue you. Those would be names like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, because these are elite players in the NFL. These are top 10 at their position, probably even top 5. Other than that, you need to be looking at Sam Darnold or one of these drafted guys in a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, a Zach Wilson, or in some crazy scenario, a Trevor Lawrence. 
that's really all it's going to be in my mind. The Jets are not almost there. I think to go in with a quarterback and to pay a lot of money for a guy, you know, one of those Kirk Cousins level guys almost fools your team into thinking that you're going for it. You're starting to invest resources that you shouldn't be at this point. I think the Jets need to figure out what they are, fill a couple more holes, do a couple more drafts, and make smart decisions before they go all in. Unfortunately for us, I think that means it's going to take two years before the Jets are actually kind of fighting in the playoffs. But hopefully they take steps in the right direction this year, fill a bunch of those holes, and then go into the next free agency with a lot less holes to fill, a lot of young drafted players under the Joe Douglas regime there. And then you can spend a little bit of extra money on something like a quarterback if you wanted to do that or on some big-name free agents. So I still think it should be kind of a wait-and-see, casual, not-as-reckless approach to it. Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson are kind of the outliers because they're so good that if you can strike the right kind of deal for those guys, you're going to make your team better regardless, and you're already kind of in a compete-now situation with those guys on the roster. Everybody else doesn't move the needle enough. You might as well just see if you can develop Sam Darnold or try to develop one of these young drafted guys who's not getting paid a lot of money, and hopefully they can be as good as a, you know, Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Derek Carr, Mitch Trubisky, Cam Newton, hopefully better than a guy like that, and definitely costing a lot less. So that's one of the big things that's going on. Um, you know, recently they're saying Watson doesn't necessarily have the Jets on his list of teams he wants to go to. I think a lot of this is a bunch of hogwash. I think that they're just trying to drum up rumors, trying to get teams excited. You know, at first it's Jets and Dolphins. So maybe that's going to make the Jets and Dolphins front offices kind of like, ooh, what can we do? He wants to play for us. And then they're like, oh, maybe it's 49ers or Broncos. And then you try to get those franchises, fan bases, and organizations kind of fired up and maybe pursue him a little bit heavier. I think that's all kind of stemming out of the Deshaun Watson camp or even the Texans camp who wants to try to increase his value. But at the end of the day, does not sound like he wants to be there. Deshaun Watson wants to leave the Houston Texans, and if they can find a reasonable trade that they want to accept from a team that has the ammo to do it, a team like the Jets or a team like the Dolphins, they accept trade, I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to say, no thanks, I'm not going there. I only have two teams on my list. I'd rather just be in Texas. I don't see that happening. So don't worry too much about that. Deshaun Watson is definitely still in play, definitely a possibility. It's just whether or not Joe Douglas wants to pull the trigger on a big trade, which, you know, we know he values the draft, and we know he's taking a very cautious and careful approach to beginning this whole thing with the free agent contracts and the drafts he, you know, put together last year. So, I, you know, I wouldn't expect it, but it is still possible. The Super Bowl happened. That was a bummer. I lost a bunch of money betting on the Kansas City Chiefs because I thought it was a sure thing. I forgot that Tom Brady always wins Super Bowls. I've watched this so many times. Sad, depressed, watching Tom Brady win a Super Bowl. It wasn't nearly as bad this time. And at this point, it's hard to argue that he's not the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. I tried to argue it for years, and you get another Super Bowl. And you're like, well, Peyton Manning still throws it better than he wins another Super Bowl. And you're like, well, Joe Montana, he wins another one. When you do it with the Bucks like this, you bring a non-playoff team for the last 10 years to the playoffs in your first year there and then win the Super Bowl against what is considered one of the hottest teams that we've seen in the NFL in 20 years, one of these potential new dynasties in the Kansas City Chiefs. And you beat them that soundly with a 43-year-old quarterback starting a brand new system with all new players and stuff. It's it's crazy that he won that. And I will not doubt him again. He'll probably win the Super Bowl next year. Why wouldn't he? That's just apparently what he does whenever he wants to. Some sad news. Uh, Vincent Jackson was found dead in a hotel room. So our best goes out to his family. Vincent Jackson was a wide receiver, played a lot with the Buccaneers and Chargers, 
Um, I remember him specifically playing with the Chargers for a long time. He was one of my favorite receivers growing up because he was really tough, a really big dude, would catch the ball downfield, fight people off, and he was a ton of fun to watch, played a very long career, very successful, and I don't know exactly what the cause of death is here, just that he was found dead in a hotel room in Tampa Bay, but it's sad news, and the NFL lost a good former member. And the last bit of news and rumors that we got going on is just the Texans did it again. They released J.J. Watt. In the wake of every crazy thing that's going on within that organization, Jack Easterby and his voodoo magic that he has put on Cal McNair, J.J. Watt was not trying to be a part of it. He does not want to close out his career. We've seen J.J. Watt's career kind of decline. We've seen him be injured for a lot of seasons. And at this point, as he's getting older, not getting the sack numbers that he used to get, it's been a while since he had a double-digit sack year. I think that he just wants to kind of close his career out the right way. And doing it on a rebuilding team that doesn't value guys like Deshaun Watson or DeAndre Hopkins enough to make those guys happy there, and not J.J. Watt either, you can't just go down with the sinking ship. you got to move to greener pastures. He did enough for that town and city. He's you know, donated $40 million to Houston Relief Funds, and it's just time for him to get the heck out of there. So he asks for a release, and the Texans oblige. I thought that J.J. Watt was going to be a trade piece. Thought they were going to be trying to get rid of him because he had a $17 million price tag that they do not want to be paying a player at his age. On a team like that that's just trying to rebuild and has no draft picks, they got a lot of work to do there, and it doesn't start with an aging old star. So it's going to be a trade piece, but they elect to release him, and now he's on the open market. He probably will not choose to go to the Jets. I wouldn't get too excited about that um, unless... Deshaun Watson or something goes there and he realizes he really wants to be with Deshaun because he loves that guy. That's really the only situation that I see him coming to New York or if we paid him a buttload of money more than everybody else, which I think would be absolutely unwise for him. So we should probably just say good luck going to play for the Steelers, for the Packers, for a contender. Go try to win a ring. Good luck. Maybe he'll go to the Bucks or wherever Brady goes, right? Just join him. So that's what we got for news and rumors. The next thing that we got to talk about is father time because the bulk of this episode is going to be talking about the defensive free agency period coming up, what Joe Douglas is going to do on that side of the ball. And my dad put together a nice little father time in regards to that. So before I spoil any of his thoughts or anything like that, going to give him the first word. So this is this week's father time written by my dad, David Burnham titled the beginnings of a to-do list. Please sign Brian Poole again. He was placed on IR for shoulder and knee injuries, but I am unaware of the severity. Nothing torn to my knowledge. He is a very good slot cornerback, and he's been a very good Jet. Next, I can't believe I'm saying this, but sign Richard Sherman to teach and motivate. But that's not all. His PFF grade for 2020 was a 90, so get him. He wants to be a Sala, and he can contribute in many ways. He has the swagger, and he knows how to use it. I think I would like Sherman as a Jet. Now we must sign Marcus May. Did I say now? Yes. He is our defensive leader and the best single high safety in the NFL. He's worth 10 to 12, 10 to 12 million dollars a year. Simple. And draft a top corner early. On the defensive line, I expect that they'll be after speed and motor that will play in concert with the Quinnen and Fadakasi push up the middle, a la Klecko and Gastineau. The 4-3 lineup should help Quinnen have less two-gap responsibilities and he'll be almost full-grown as a destroyer. My pick is outside linebacker, defensive end hybrid Matthew Judon, currently playing for the Ravens. The right deal will get him. At linebacker, 
CJ Mosley is due back, but what will we be getting after a two-year absence from injury and a COVID opt-out? Sorry, but I have low expectations. So we need to sign Neville Hewitt. He is solid and a good leader. Cashman can't be available as a backup. He's always hurt. So draft a Mike linebacker to continue to build continuity in the middle. There are so many questions on defense. It's a jigsaw puzzle, really. But JD has wisely lined things up. We have the picks and the money. This is going to be the best offseason in years. Go Jets. End scene. Wow. So a ton to unpack here. This is great. This is kind of like his mini to-do list um, of some stuff that he wants to focus on at some really important positions. And I'm going to get to some of these guys. Brian Poole, I agree. Richard Sherman, Marcus May, Neville Hewitt. I'm all in on that stuff. Uh, CJ Mosley is kind of an interesting situation, of course. And, uh, you know, it, it really is. I think that me and him have similar ideas of how we'd like to see the team built. There are certain players that have kind of proven themselves with the jets and we need to be realistic here. You're not going to be signing a superstar to play every single position on your team. And that would be unwise for Joe Douglas to do that. That would be like what Mike McCagden did in 2014 and 15. when he just spent all of the money that John Idzik created to put together a team that potentially could have gone to the playoffs, went 10 and six, didn't make it. And then they had to destroy the whole thing. That stuff sets you back. So you have to look at some of these guys like Neville Hewitt's and Brian Poole's. Maybe you bring in an aging Richard Sherman. You try to build through the draft. And then one big target he has in this list, Matthew Judon. And I think that's interesting because my dad is not always super fond of the outside linebacker. But I think that, you know, he knows this and I agree. Matt Judon is a really good, really good player. Super, super efficient and effective for the Ravens. And he's proven it over the years playing on that uh, Wink Martindale defense. I think that Matt Judon was definitely one of the guys on my list. Definitely a guy that we would go after. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't agree more in that this is going to be one of the most interesting Jets offseasons in a very long time. We've got year number two with Joe Douglas, so the vision really starts to come into place here. Year number one with what I consider to be the best Jets coaching hire maybe ever in Robert Sala. And we've got the money and the draft picks to accompany all of that. So it's not just like, oh, you got a new coach and a new GM or something, and you're just drafting seven picks with standard amount of money. No, the Jets have the second most money in the league, and they've got arguably the best draft capital in the entire draft. So very exciting. I appreciate the father time, Dad. Thank you very much. That's what we got there. So now it is time to kind of break down my thoughts, my goals, my visions for some positions on defense. The philosophy here that I've been getting is similar to what my dad said in that speed is very important. Robert Sala has said this, speed is what he's looking for, high motors, and I still think that, as I mentioned before, Joe Douglas is looking for somewhat inexpensive players. He probably will break the bank for one or two guys, but I don't think that he's ready to just give a whole surplus of money to a guy at a position as if it's like some win-now thing, like last final piece, give this guy $18 million and get him in here. You don't need to be giving out those giant contracts. We need to put together a good team, a competitive team, a team that's willing to fight and learn and grow. It's kind of like what the Knicks have going on this year with Coach Tom Thibodeau. Right? You get a good coach in place, you get some young guys, you make them work hard, you see what you've got, and then eventually the money is available, and then you can sign the big free agents, the big pieces to put you over the top. Different scenario in football, of course, but the same sort of approach that you need to take that wait and see. You can't just keep giving big money contracts here, big money contracts there that are going to put you in a hole for a long time to no avail. We've done that time and time again in all sorts of franchises within New York, and it sucks. So I think he's going to be 
kind of inexpensive. I wouldn't expect a ton of really big giant contracts. This isn't going to be one of those Mike McCagden years where you're getting that CJ Mosley mega deal, then that Le'Veon Bell mega deal, and a bunch of other ones along the way. It's going to be more similar to last year where it was like, okay, we got Brashad Perriman and a quiet signing of Connor McGovern and Pierre Desir. And I'm not saying that all these guys were really good picks, but when you look at some of the bargains that he got, you know, one year for Jordan Jenkins, $2 million. One year for Brian Poole was like $3 million. Some of these were so low and so uh, cost-effective that, you know, he gave us the wiggle room to build our team through the draft and to rebuild through free agency again. So I think he's going to take a similar approach, trying to fill more holes with young guys through the draft and get a couple more good veterans in there. So last week we talked about kind of the free agency needs for the Jets throughout the team. Looking at the defense, I think kind of in order of what they need to focus on through free agency. Inside linebacker, most important because it's such a weak market right now. Cornerback, because we've got two young guys and really need to boost some guys. Even if we brought someone in the draft, you still would have such a young, young cornerback room. Edge rusher, because right now under contract, we've really only got Bryce Huff. And then safety is probably the next most important because there we've only got Ashton Davis. And that's a position that's somewhat easier to find, somewhat less expensive. And there's a lot of guys that can do it at an okay level. You know, there's not a ton of Marcus Mays. Not a lot of Jamal Adams is out there. But there are guys that can play at a solid level for a decent amount of money without breaking the bank. So that's why it's kind of towards the end of the list. And then defensive line is just a position that right now we could go in with the group that we have. I just think that Robert Sala is going to want to kind of curtail it a little bit more to his style of defense, a little more 4-3 than 3-4, a little bit more speed, and maybe a little bit more flexibility up there. So some changes there are most likely. But inside linebacker, cornerback, edge, and safety are the positions that I'm going to focus on in this podcast. Now, when you're looking at who the Jets are going to sign, the number one thing you look at first is internal guys. On defense, the Jets have a bunch of upcoming free agents. But the big ones, when you look at what the Jets need and who's played well for us, who's earned another contract with the Jets, I think Terrell Basham could be one of those edge outside linebacker guys. I don't think he's got to be a starter, but I definitely think that he's earned an outside linebacker shot on this team. You know, I think he's better than a Bryce Huff, who we currently have under contract, and I don't think Terrell Basham's going to break the bank either. Brian Poole, as my dad mentioned, he has been a very, very good slot corner for the Jets. I think that we could potentially move Javelin Guidry into that starting role if he continues to succeed this year, but he's not ready to just start there right now. So instead of having to sign another cornerback to play nickel alongside Guidry this year in case of injury, and maybe to take in that role if Guidry takes a step back, you could take a guy who's already been under contract. He gave you a team-friendly deal last year. It's possibly does it again. Likes playing for the Jets. Uh, you know, I do want to say that having Robert Sala here, a coach that seems like every player and everybody around the league absolutely loves and adores, will make it a little bit easier to sign free agents. It's not going to make it super easy. It's not going to save two, three million dollars per contract, but it might kind of be that tipping point when a guy's looking at two teams giving basically the same contract. Maybe you're like, you know what? I want to go play for Robert Sala because everybody speaks highly of him, and I really respect that man. So Brian Poole would be a big one to get. Neville Hewitt is another one. My dad mentioned him. We are very thin at inside linebacker right now with C.J. Mosley, who hasn't played, and Blake Cashman, who never plays. You got to bring in a guy like Neville Hewitt, who was not amazing. He's not going to light up the field, be all over the place, make huge plays, but he's reliable. He's solid. He plays every single game. And for 
how many years now have we found ourselves in a spot just like needing to rely on Neville Hewitt and not being too upset with the way that he played? That's the sign to me that he needs to come back on a decent team contract, keep him in the room. You can still find different starters. If C.J. Mosley's better at playing Mike Linebacker or something, great. That's awesome. But if not, having Neville Hewitt there, very important. And then most importantly, of course, is Marcus May. My dad called him the best single high safety in the league, which is very high praise. But Marcus May is very, very good in deep coverage. He's got good range. He does not get burned. He helps cover with these young receivers or these young corners. I mean, we're running guys like, you know, Bryce Hall, Blashawn Austin, Javelin Guidry, and Lamar Jackson with some other young guys all season long. These guys are so wet behind the ears, just learning how to play the position, and still we're not getting burned deep all that often because Marcus May is almost always there to help when Greg Williams isn't forcing him to blitz in late-game situations. You remember that one. So those are the guys you can focus on first, I think, for the Jets because they're internal, and that means that they aren't technically not on the Jets until March 16th. So these are the only players that we can have conversations with right now regarding contracts. These are guys that we can say before anybody else, Marcus May, let's get in a room, let's talk about contracts. Nobody else can get in his ear and say, hey, we want you really bad, or this is the type of contract you're worth on the open market even though we know they're all trying to get their feelers out and the agents are working and they're at these pro days having conversations with other guys to get a feel for it all. But you can try to get a hometown discount, perhaps. These guys don't have to move. It's a good opportunity. Look at internal guys first. The next thing that you want to look at is guys that played for Robert Sala in San Francisco. We already saw Robert Sala take a bunch of guys that he's familiar with before, such as our new offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. And when you're building a team and you're bringing in your culture and your coaching style, it's important that you have people to be there with you that also kind of know secondary coaches on the field. When Rex Ryan came to the Jets, he brought with him a bunch of his old guys from the Ravens. He was defensive coordinator there, and to help him instill his idea of what a defense should look like, he brought on the defensive line Marcus Douglas. In the linebacking core, he brought Bart Scott, the mad backer. And in the safety core, or defensive backfield, he brought Jim Leonard. And these were guys that he leaned on to kind of help him coach the team and let them know what we're looking for. You got coaches on the field, guys that are like, listen, everybody, this is what we're trying to bring here. This is what we did in Baltimore. This is what we're looking to do. And I think Robert Sala is going to do a similar sort of thing with the Jets, taking guys from San Francisco. I don't think that it's going to be maybe as severe as the way Rex Ryan was, because I think that Robert Sala is a little bit more open-minded than Rex Ryan was. I think Rex Ryan was obsessed with the same style defense, his guys, and he just kind of went that way head first. Didn't worry about the offense all too much. Was a defensive coach. Robert Sala seems like he's taking a more holistic approach to the team, looking at the offense, the defense, and the special teams. He's bringing in you know guys like Brant Boyer, who were with the Jets, not bringing in his own guys at some positions. So I think that he'll be a little bit more open-minded towards taking guys that weren't necessarily 49ers. But when you look at the 49ers and all of their free agents, you definitely see some quick fits that you think might be great guys for him to bring over. My dad mentioned the first one, Richard Sherman, cornerback, who is a smart, loud, aggressive, swagger-filled guy who really does like to get guys fired up and expects a lot out of you. You know, he expects as much out of you as you do yourself or your coach does you. So he's a good guy to have in there. Also, cornerback is one of our biggest needs on defense, and he had really good coverage grade last year. I don't think you have to put him in there and say Richard Sherman's going to be starting cornerback one or two, 
But I think if you have him in the mix, playing in the field in some specific down situations, when guys are injured, filling in here and there, I think that he would be a good piece to have. It would be good helping, you know, that coaching transition. Other guys to look at that position, Akella Weatherspoon, nickel cornerback guy. He's had some good success playing with Robert Sala, cornerback again, position of need. Another guy that played corner for them last year that's a free agent, Jason Verrett, and also Kwan Williams. So you've got four cornerbacks on the open market from the San Francisco 49ers, all of which are pretty good, solid guys that probably wouldn't be number one cornerbacks right away coming to the Jets, but would be competing and would be a big upgrade over a Lamar Jackson or someone like that. Got a safety in Jakiski Tart, and safety is one of our biggest needs. He's a guy that played really well for the 49ers in the last couple of years. Could be a big fit. A guy that I really like on the defensive line is Kerry Hyder, and this guy's 30 years old, but he's similar to kind of like what I see from a Steve McClendon in that he's still got a lot to offer. He's going to be a situational pass rusher, but he had a lot of success this year. And if you watch 49ers games, Kerry Hyder was consistently making his presence felt. I think that he has kind of turned it on late stages of his career. I think that Robert Sala has gotten a lot out of him. And if he wants to come stick with the guy that's making him great, keep that going, I think he'd be a great rotational piece with Quinn and Williams, Foley, Fadakasi, just like Steve McClendon was. And those are some of the big ones that you'd look at. You may also look at a guy like Solomon Thomas from the defensive line, even though it's not a huge position and he's not a guy that necessarily I would be looking at. He is young. I do think that when we're looking at these players, as I mentioned before with the philosophy, that we're not really trying to win this year, so much as we're trying to get everything set so that we can be in a position to make aggressive pushes to win in 2022 and 2023, I think that means that you got to focus again on some younger guys. You don't want to be bringing in too many big contracts for a guy that's 32 years old because it just doesn't really make sense. So when you're looking at a team like this and you see some names like Ziggy Ansah, you're probably thinking, maybe he's a little bit too old for this team. Um, and I think that Solomon Thomas being the fact that he's young makes him a potential candidate, but just not enough efficiency there from him. Richard Sherman is the exception because he is so good at speaking to people and getting a lot out of people. I mean, he was one of the biggest factors in the Legion of Boom, which was a, you know, a revolutionary change at that defensive backfield position where an entire group had this swagger and everybody was afraid to go in there and play against them. And, uh, you know, they really made a lot of noise there. I think another guy that would be possible would be defensive lineman Solomon Thomas, who was an early-round draft pick a couple of years ago. He's only 26 years old. The Jets don't have a real need there, but if Salah wants to bring another one of his guys in there that's still young, he's one of those guys that could potentially do it. I wouldn't want to pay him very much, but perhaps one of the Salah guy that could be on that defense. I think that with the philosophy that we're talking about, like the Jets aren't ready to win right now, and it makes no sense to go signing a big 32-year-old veteran contract to make one big final push Jets are a couple of years away from that, so sticking with the younger guys, sticking with smaller contracts, and not going for aging veterans, I think is going to be a very big focus of Joe Douglas. Richard Sherman, the exception because his ability to coach and the stuff that he can do with the players in the locker room probably outweighs that, and he's still playing at a high level. So that is the Robert Sala guys that we would be looking at on defense in free agency. Again, we're going to talk about this stuff on the offensive side of the ball, in two weeks when we're back on Mar what is it, March 2nd. But for now, just focusing on defense. Now, before we move over to the actual position groups, the areas that the Jets need to focus on, we do have to take a quick commercial. 
Alrighty, welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. We are going to talk about more defensive targets for the Jets. There are so many players. There are so many Jets free agents that I didn't mention, so many 49ers free agents that I didn't mention. We're going to go through these positions of defensive end, edge guys, inside linebackers, cornerback, and safety. We're going to give a few names for each, maybe a couple budget guys, but just people to focus on. Not saying these are guys that we're necessarily going to go after, but I think these are players that make sense for either the Joe Douglas system, the Robert Sala system, or their age and price tag, being able to get them on a bargain deal, a guy that maybe has more in the tank and hasn't been able to show it, stuff like that. There's a reason for each one of these guys, potentially, and we'll see if anybody is uh, picked up by Joe Douglas. We're obviously going to do plenty of reviews and recaps of all this stuff, and I'd like to see some of these guys taken. But When you start at defensive end and edge outside linebacker, that's kind of a fluid position. The NFL these days, you know, used to be defined by 3-4, 4-3. What did you line up as a base defense? Recently, the Jets were playing a 3-4. They say Robert Sala runs a base 4-3 defense. But in this day and age, you've almost always got a nickel cornerback on the field. Sometimes you've got a dime cornerback on the field. You're running two threes, three twos, three threes. I mean, you're seeing them run three ones. There's all sorts of different styles uh, to run that. So I don't think that you really need to pigeonhole yourself and say that we need to run 4-3 and find a specific defensive end for a 4-3. Or we need to get an outside linebacker who can rush off the edge. I think that you just need to get good players who can line up in a three-point stance or drop back into coverage and can get after the passer and make some plays in the in the run game. Set an edge. I think that's what you're looking for for that position. And so as long as you can make plays, don't get five Clay Matthews because that wouldn't make any sense, but get a nice mix of people, maybe a John Franklin Myers on the end, then a guy like Clay Matthews who just truly rushes the passer, then a guy like Carlos Basham, or Terrell Basham rather, that can do a little bit of both. You know, a lot of different pieces that you can move and utilize. Robert Tall is really good at that stuff. He's going to be moving these guys all around. You just have to have flexibility and versatility with these players. So I think when you look at this, just finding guys for that edge, you know, three-point outside rushing the quarterback position, some of the big names that come up that you're looking at. Shaq Barrett from the Bucks had a big season, big couple seasons. Bud Dupree for the Steelers, he's had a big couple seasons. My dad mentioned Matt Judon from the Ravens. Another guy who actually has had a really good last couple of years, Leonard Williams. This year specifically, Leonard Williams had a good year. He is a free agent, and it is possible the Jets could go after him. It is. Uh, we got Yannick Ngakwe, a guy that was linked to the Jets in the past as potentially being a guy that we would trade for, try to get. Yannick Ngakwe is still available. He's coming back to be a free agent again. And then one that I really like is a young guy coming from the uh, New Orleans Saints, Trey Hendrickson. This guy's young. He made big plays on a really good defense for the Saints. He got after the quarterback a ton, quarterback hits. And when you look at it, he's going to be getting a big contract this year. I think the edge, we all know edge is one of the highest paid positions in the league. And the reason it's so highly paid is because it's really hard to find effective three down guys or even guys that can come in situationally and be very effective at getting after the passer. And that's such an important part of today's game. You have to make the quarterback uncomfortable because with the rules and the coverage and everything, you can't have a guy like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes just standing in the backfield comfortable throwing the ball. So when you can find a guy who can get after him, you pay a lot of you pay a lot of money for it. Leonard Williams isn't necessarily a guy that consistently gets there, but a Shaq Barrett, Bud Dupree, Matt Judon, Trey Hendrickson, those are the four that I would probably prioritize if you're going to give a big contract out. And Trey Hendrickson is maybe the one that I would focus on the most out of all of them. So we'll see what happens there. Potentially... 
since edge is such a big need and because that position gets paid so much, potentially that is one of the positions that Joe Douglas decides to splurge. There's some budget guys for that defensive line, that end edge situation. You got guys like we mentioned Solomon Thomas coming from San Francisco. We got Romeo Aquara from Detroit. Jordan Jenkins could come back from the Jets, although I don't think he had a very good year. And personally, I don't think he deserves it. Tack McKinley, if you wanted to take a flyer on him, or a guy like Charles Harris. These are some earlier round draft guys from a couple years ago. You got Jihad Ward, Mario Edwards, and Samson Ebucam. Those are some lower-tier guys that have still found success in the league. They make their presence felt on game day. And when you have just Bryce Huff there in that position, you don't even have a Terrell Basham or a Jordan Jenkins or anything to rely on. You need to bring in more than one guy. We're looking at potentially drafting somebody. We're looking at potentially bringing in two, maybe even three free agents. I mean, this is a position that needs four guys plugged in. So maybe go with a big name, maybe get a couple bargain guys. But again, finding that rotation for Robert Sala where you can have flexibility. Next position you want to focus on, inside linebacker. Now, this is a position that is extremely important on the defense and will be very important to Robert Sala because a lot of times they're like the signal caller, the Mike linebacker is like the guy that calls the shots for the defense because they stand in that center beacon position of the defensive side of the ball. Right? This is a guy that in five steps can be talking to the defensive line, can take five steps backwards and be talking to the safeties right there in between the cornerbacks, a guy that can make the calls, make the reads, and has a center viewpoint right at the quarterback in the offensive line to see all the protections and slides that they may be running this has to be a really smart player and a guy that truly understands Robert Sala's system. So it has to be someone when they're going to be doing interviews and whatnot that when they say, what are you capable of? What is your play style? What do you emphasize? I think they're going to want to have something that's kind of in line with it. So for me, this looks like a position that needs to be drafted because I think that you can find a guy who you can just teach your defense and instill that into. I think C.J. Mosley, if he can play, it has proven. There's a reason that he's the highest paid inside linebacker because he had proven at one point that he is an elite, absolutely elite middle linebacker, and a guy that's the level that he is can absolutely pick up and understand a new defense. But we don't know if he's going to be healthy enough. So what's the backup option? Neville Hewitt could be one of those guys, but bringing in a young guy to kind of take under your wing, mentor, show him the ropes, and then allow him to call plays would be really nice for Robert Sala. The other thing about it is there really are no good inside linebackers available. When you look at the open market, the best inside linebackers, guys like Neville Hewitt, Avery Williamson, B.J. Goodson from Cleveland. These are not big names. These are not guys that you're saying, this is going to change everything. You want to look at some budget guys, Harvey Langes, maybe Anthony Walker Jr. of the Colts. He could be a good one. I think he would make sense. Other than that, there's really not somebody that I look at and say, this is somebody I want calling the plays, making the shots, center the defense. Middle linebacker is a position that's kind of getting phased out of the NFL at this point, but it's still extremely important. and has always been important in the Robert Sala, San Francisco defenses. You saw it with like, you know, Fred Warner and what they gave up to get Quan Alexander, some other players. So definitely, definitely got to look at potentially drafting that and then maybe bringing back Neville Hewitt. I think that would be sufficient. Next position, very important, cornerback. Cornerback is a big one because we've got young guys that we don't truly trust. Bryce Hall drafted this year, fifth round, came back, second half of the season healthy, and he played great, and we want to trust him. But do we want to be throwing him onto number one wide receivers week in, week out? I don't think we do. We don't at least want to be forced into having to do that. And we've seen how many years the cornerback room get decimated with injuries, and uh, you really have to have a nice 
stack of guys there. So behind Bryce Hall, it's like, okay, Blashawn Austin, we kind of trust him. Early in the season, he looked really good. He's been good at tackling, but he kind of fell off later on, got a little banged up, and then you were like, yeah, I don't, he might be worse than Bryce Hall. Pierre Desir was starting, and he got cut, so you're like, all right, then who are we bringing in? We were bringing in Lamar Jackson, who we don't really want to be giving more time to on the field. Corey Ballantyne was bringing, brought in, but he mostly did return duty. Javelin Guidry definitely showed some flashes at that nickel cornerback position. But you can't be going into 2021 trying to run a great defense with Robert Sala playing Javelin Guidry, an undrafted free agent last year, Bryce Hall, a fifth-round drafted player from last year, and Blashawn Austin, a sixth-round guy from the year before. That's just not going to cut it. you got to have some veterans in there, and you probably need to draft some top-tier type of talent. When you look at the cornerback market that's available right now, Richard Sherman makes a lot of sense in terms of coming over from San Francisco and helping install the Robert Sala mindset and defense. Brian Poole makes sense because he's already been with the Jets, and we'd like to have some nice depth and that ability at nickel cornerback in front of Javelin Guidry. But then when you look at some other players, you got the Kings, Kevin King and Desmond King. You got that big interception monster from New England that you remember, J.C. Jackson is going to be a free agent. Jason Verrett, we mentioned him, and Akella Weatherspoon from San Francisco, two really good players. Shaq Griffin from the Seahawks, brother of Shaq Griffin. Trey Herndon actually is a, a very interesting name from the Jaguars. Could be worth uh, a good look from Joe Douglas and is very young. Played a lot of snaps last year. He played like the third most snaps of any free agent cornerback in the league, and he's like 25 years old. So maybe you give Trey Herndon a chance in this defense. And if you want to go with another kind of young guy flyer, maybe not too expensive, Chidobe Awuzie from the Cowboys. He's not had a great career, but we just need more bodies in there. We don't want to be leaning on... How many years go into, like, the Kyron Browns and Arthur Mollett's? Arthur Mollett's a free agent, so is Kyron Brown. How many years ago into those guys and, and Lamar Jackson and Corey Ballantyne and just seeing these people like, who is playing right now and why can't they cover? We keep getting in that situation. You need to have four or five guys that you can trust in your cornerback room. And right now we've got maybe one or two, maybe, but we're not even sure. So you have to bring in the competition. You have to have more depth there. I still think it does make sense to draft that position, but definitely some big names. Desmond King, a really nice name to see there. Trey Herndon, one I really like. Richard Sherman makes sense. Brian Poole, already love that guy. And then, I, you know, some possible guys that I would look at again. J.C. Jackson, Jason Verrett, Kella Weatherspoon, Jadobia Wuzia, Shaq Griffin. Some interesting names. All right, so now before we forget, we got to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap, which is the section of the podcast where I talk about the cool alcoholic beverage that I'm drinking while recording the podcast. But today, for the first time in 74 or so episodes for What's On Tap, I am drinking water. What? I know. Absolutely crazy. Why am I doing this? Well, in reality... Through COVID, through all this, through my post-college and introductory to my adult life, I've realized that my metabolism isn't what it used to be, and I am getting fat. Okay, what does that mean? Gaining a pound or so every three months. When you do that for five years, and all of a sudden you realize you've gained like 30 pounds since college, you sit back and you say to yourself, I don't think this is ever going to stop. I think that this, if I live this life, I'm just destined to continue gaining one pound every three months for the rest of my life until I'm, you know, 300 pounds, age 65, whatever the math comes out to. So I can't keep doing that. Then the pressure of this wedding coming up, right? Fiance Shannon, she's talking about this stuff. We're paying 
crazy amounts of money on these quotes for photography where it's like, oh my God, you're going to pay that much money to take a picture of me? I better look damn good, which I guess is why everybody tries to lose so much weight before a wedding, which is fine. But now I got to figure out like, all right, how do I get my body back to where I want it to be to then justify paying that amount of money for pictures? And basically what I'm looking to do is lose as much weight as possible or at least stunt the growth effect with as little effort as possible. The 2021 American dream. Great results, little effort. And you could go to the gym. That's a lot of effort. I am paying for a subscription to a gym that I haven't gone to in like a year. And frankly, just don't have the drive to get there. I could eat smaller portions. Easier said than done. The easiest thing right now in my head is like, maybe it's all this alcohol. I'm drinking every day, multiple drinks. If I stop that, what will happen? So I'm trying this kind of experiment. The wedding's going to be in like a year and a half. If I cannot drink for, say, a month or two, aside from a few special occasions, do I just lose five pounds? Am I now losing a pound every three months? Because that would be great, and that means I don't have to do anything else. If I realize that, no, that didn't help at all, then hell with it. I'm drinking every single night. It doesn't matter. It's an experiment. It's no fun for the podcast. I apologize for that, but you know what? Sometimes a nice glass of water is great. So that is what's on tap tonight. Then the last position is safety. We don't have Matthias Farley. We don't have Bradley McDougald. And currently, we don't have Marcus May. All we've got is Ashton Davis. And I think that when you are a defense that's as dynamic and fluid, you know, changes your game plan, it's not just a one-look defense like Robert Sala's which is a multi-look defense, you want to have three safeties that can play the position, and you might want to have three safeties on the field at a time. And from one of those safety positions, you'd like to see a a top-tier special teamer because those are guys that are really good at tackling, and they're really fast, and usually they just carry over nicely to that special teams game. So the Jets need a bunch of guys here. Ashton Davis, we're not exactly sure. Is he going to be a starter for the team for years to come? Is he going to fit better into that free safety role or that strong safety role? Or is he kind of a hybrid between the two? In my opinion right now, if I was just guessing, I would say that Ashton Davis is going to be a perfect number three safety, that third guy on the field to come in, do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. You can ask him to blitz because he's fast. You can ask him to cover because he's rangy. And hopefully he gets better at tackling and staying on his feet. And Maybe he can make some big plays. But right now, I don't look at him as like a guaranteed day one, plug him in at strong safety. It doesn't look like that to me today. The obvious pick for safety is Marcus May. One of the best free safeties in the entire league. This guy has balled out for the Jets. And finally, the Jets are getting to the point where one of the guys that they drafted is one of the best in the league at their position. These are the players that you need to give a new contract to. We didn't do it with Jamal. That's okay because he had a bad personality. We didn't do it with Leonard Williams. He moved on. We didn't do it with a lot of other players. And the ones that we did do it with, like Mo Wilkerson, ended up biting us in the butt. But I think that when you look at a guy like Marcus May who had injury concerns a few years ago, but has proven that wrong, stayed healthy on the field, and continued to get better, I think he's a guy that absolutely deserves another contract with the Jets. My dad said 10, 12 million. I think that makes sense. If you're looking at other potential guys, if you want to go with a big name safety, a guy like Justin Simmons from Denver would be big. John Johnson from the Rams, really good player last year. Marcus Williams, 25 years old, coming over from New Orleans could be good. I think a guy that's interesting and makes a lot of sense is Keanu Neal from Atlanta. Kind of a guy that can do a little bit of everything. And then Jakiski Tart, 
from San Francisco would make sense because he's coming over with Robert Sala. But they do need two to three players at that position. Maybe somebody that can play special teams. And, you know, free agency comes before the draft. So you go with the free agents that you can get. You don't break the bank for a guy if you don't have to. If it's a position that you're like, you know what, this is just too much, let it go. Go after it in the draft. Or save the money so that next year when there's somebody else in the market, you can go after them. Just make sure that you put decent enough players on the field to make it competitive and not be a huge glaring weakness. And safety, you know, no offense to the safety class, but it's just one of those position groups that you can find a lot of aging veterans or average guys or 29-year-olds who've done it, played at a high level in the NFL, and just are looking for work. It's just one of those positions. It's one of the the most full markets with talent, at least, you know, competitive talent in the league. Now, one thing that I failed to mention when going to these position groups, because we just finished going through our defensive line, inside linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties. One of the things I failed to mention in all this is that with the salary cap potentially shrinking this year, and most teams typically expecting that it increases every year, there are a lot of teams that are in absolute cap hell right now. And what that means is over the next four or five months, a lot of teams are going to be cutting a lot of players. So this is our free agency class right now, but there are going to be many more players cut as we move on. Some of these players will be cut before free agency. Guys like J.J. Watt will just be added into the mix that we can look at. But other guys will be cut like, you know, post-June 1st deadline where you can potentially spread the contract out over two years for the dead money rather than taking it all at once. That's why you might look at a post-June 1st deadline cut. There's going to be a lot of guys that are added in there. Joe Douglas is not going to be reckless. He's not going to spend every bit of money that the Jets have on day one. He's not going to go out there and sign all the big names that you love to see. I know it's a lot of fun the day that you sign Le'Veon Bell, the day that you sign C.J. Mosley, but if it's not the right pick, it ends up biting you in the butt. Getting Trumaine Johnson on the day was cool. Hey, he's played with Greg Williams before. Hey, we finally got a cornerback. Big money. We've got him here for five years. But you know what? When he stinks, you're screwed, and the Jets are still paying Trumaine Johnson way too much money this year. They have to make sure they make the right moves. I would rather go in with a young guy, a project, and let Robert Sala work with a rookie and, you know, a young free agent that comes on the cheap than put a ton of money at a guy that's not going to end up working out. And I think Joe Douglas feels the exact same way. That's why he took that approach last year. That's why he's going to continue to take that approach this year. So don't be bummed out if they're not making a bunch of big, splashy moves. They probably will make one or two. One probably on offense, maybe two. One maybe on defense. Robert Sala will probably say, you know, this is one or two guys that I really want. Can we go out and get them? That would make sense. But other than that, Joe Douglas is going to look for those diamond in the roughs, those kind of like, you know, Connor McGovern. People sleep on him in free agency, and he gives a modest contract to and gets him to come here, smaller than we thought he would get. When you look at the Jets' last year's predictions for what people would get paid, and you looked at what he ended up paying for each of those free agents, if you could just like recap all that, you would see that Joe Douglas typically paid everybody less than what the market valued them at because he waited and he saw. And that's part of the reason saving all of that money is part of the reason that we're back in this position again with all this money again to make these big moves. But again, he's going to carry a lot of that over. He's going to carry more over to the future because eventually this team is going to be right on the verge of being great, and that's when you spend it. That's when you go crazy, you make that extra push, and you say, we got to get two, three huge name free agent guys in here to change everything, spend all the money, put us in cap hell, but let's make a push. We aren't there right now. 
So keep rolling that money over. Get those bargain guys. Get one or two big names to be part of your core moving forward. We got a core right now on this defense of like, you know, three guys. You got your Quinn and Williams. You've got your Ashton Davis. And you've got your Bryce Hall. Foley Fadikasi could potentially be considered in that core. And then you've got some role players, some guys that could potentially move up into that core. But it's really those three, four guys. Can we leave this free agency with five or six guys and then leave the draft with seven or eight? Now you're starting to look like a really good team. Now you're just a few pieces away. I am super excited for free agency. My dad was right. This is one of the most fun off seasons already for the Jets in years because of the possibility of it all, because of the ability to, you know, to see a guy like Deshaun Watson and be able to say, yeah, we absolutely have the assets to get him right now. There are so many teams in the league that are just looking like, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Nothing that we could do if we're the Saints right now. We just cannot afford that contract. We don't have the draft capital. We can't do it. The Jets are sitting there like, yeah, we got the draft capital. Yeah, hell yeah, we got the money. Yeah, we got the need. I mean, it makes everything fun because everybody's a possibility. We don't know what the salary cap is going to be set at specifically yet. We don't know exactly what the number is going to be, but we do know that the Jets will have the second most cap space in the league. Pre-cuts and everything. They'll make a few after that. Henry Anderson probably will be cut. Make a lot of money there. But we don't know exactly what it's going to be. We know that we have more than almost everybody, except for the Jaguars. So that means you see a guy, you really want Trey Hendrickson, outside linebacker, go get him. You really want Matt Judon? Yeah, you can have him because you can pay him more than everybody else if you really want him. It's exciting. Plenty of reasons to be hyped if you're a Jets fan. We are going to do this next week on March 2nd. We are going to talk about the same stuff, but on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to do a news and rumors recap from the previous two weeks, whatever happens over the next two weeks. We're going to do father time with my dad. And uh, So keep sticking with me. Thank you for being there. I appreciate you guys listening and everything. Look forward to doing this for the rest of the offseason on bi-weekly schedule. And until next time, thank you for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life.